0: Hey, Sam. Hey, Sandra.
1: What you doing? I am
0: (laughs) opening up to you about aliens (laughs) and having you laugh at
1: me. It just doesn't make sense why you're so scared of them. I don't know.
0: I think it's like playing into that Western dynamic of like you have everything figured out. So like back in the day, people were afraid of the dark. Now we have lights to fix that. People were scared of like, I don't know, natural disasters and we have like roofs and now it's like what's gonna scare us something unknown to us and for me that's aliens
1: i think you're just shook i think et and that wig shook you so much that you just <laughs> stayed scared i was
0: scalped <laughs> literally you're...
1: oh my god okay welcome to puchica
0: Woo-hoo. Welcome to another installment of Puchigas. So,
1: hopefully we sound different today because we got... Well, you sound worse. Oh, <laughs> I know. They're like, that's your real voice. Damn, bitch. Uh, yeah, we have better mics now, which is great.
0: Yeah, we supported Black Friday.
1: <laughs> Not really, because this wasn't on sale. Oh. I just was hoping it went on sale, but it didn't.
0: Oh.
1: Salty. Anywho... <laughs> um what is your shit and your giggle sam for the weeks
0: my shit is i'm sick i got sick sunday today's tuesday and i just feel terrible and i'm getting people around me sick and it's just bad i haven't been sick since graduation I was sick for graduation, which sucks.
1: Lies. You were sick for graduation? Yeah,
0: it was terrible. Wow. I was so mad. And I had like a grad party, like a mini get together with my family. It was fucking awful.
1: TFTI, fool.
0: Whatever. And <laughs> my, <laughs> my giggle is uh, I had pho earlier, which was really bomb. Pho was always like a, a cure-all for me when I was sick in SD. And I don't know, It felt really good having it today. It's starting to get cold again. Well, as cold as it gets in California. And so having the pho definitely made things better.
1: Where'd you get pho at? 4-4,000? Four, four
0: not pho 2000.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they are different places. Yeah,
0: it was like right by Beverly and Western.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you I don't right.
0: know if I trust it just because it's like in Koreatown and, you know, pho is Vietnamese. But it's good. It's yeah, warm. Koreatown
1: pho is not real pho. It's
0: not. I've had like pho in SD and it was better.
1: Yeah. Okay, for me, my shit. Um, I don't really know. Like, I just uh, the long weekend's done. I'm tired. Like, I don't really care. (laughs) That's it. Like, I'm just done already for the week. My giggle was that I just burned some incense, some copal incense that I had in the room. Smells really nice. That's my um. That's my giggle. But yeah, uh, do you want to talk about the song that you're introducing this yes. week? Yes.
0: So this week I introduced Keep Calm by DVSN or Division as some people call them. So quick little bit about Division or DVSN, whatever you want to call them. I'm just calling them DV- DVSN because it's easier for me.
1: I think it's Division, but okay. DVSN.
0: Uh, <laughs> <so> <laughs> <laughs> they have a division sign, yeah, but okay. okay. Um. So I first heard of them uh, last summer, last fall, actually, when they dropped their September 5th EP. Really good. Like I was listening to it at work one day when we were doing data entry. And I think I re-listened to the whole album maybe three times throughout my shift just because I was so hooked on it. And it was such a refreshing R&B sound that I hadn't heard before. And they recently came out with their second album. Uh, It's called morning after it released on october 13th it's really good so the song keep calm is just then like crooning and like thinking about a relationship where they could be together but they're in different places at the moment
1: On oh, like and us yeah <laughs> yeah and like My what gosh. they would
0: do if they were together Damn. which is not like us yeah <laughs> definitely not like us. and yeah i don't know i think it's really smooth and croon filled I don't know. What would you think? Um, that?
1: I mean, I'll think about it when I listen to it right now, Sam.
0: So. Okay, so let's go ahead and play "Keep Calm" by Division right now. Hopefully, folks will vibe with okay. it. Play the music. Do do. So, Sandra, what did you think of the song?
1: It's very... It is, like, when you use, like, the mood memes. But, like, this is an mm. actual mood. Mm-hmm. I think Division has actually has a song called Moon. Mood? Yes. Not Moon.
0: It's actually really good, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, they have a music video for it. And it's just very... I don't know. I What I really like about, like, Neo Soul and the alternative R&B in the recent years is that it's very dreamy. It's That's, like, the way mm. I would describe it. It's just so... I don't know a very atmospheric and that's the Mm -hmm. vibes that I totally get from this and I love it it's very sensual and I just want to like wrap myself up with somebody and snuggle and you know
0: yeah I feel that heavily like and then I don't know I think they do a really good job of layering the voices so he has really smooth voice and Mm -hmm. then throughout it you hear the little falsettos coming in and then when he finally does the falsetto closer to the end it's just so beautiful and they have a way of waiting for like their backup singers to come in too and uh, i don't know it just gives me chills gets me in the zone too and just uh i love them so much
1: yeah i do too i like them a lot okay
0: yeah i'm happy you liked it
1: no i love it i love division uh, i've been I don't even know how long I've been on them. I'm going to be a hipster about it. But when they dropped like, their mm-hmm. literal first song, like I had heard about it because of some random person like showed it to me. And mm-hmm. yeah, they're really good. I love them. So this week, we're going to talk about Chitcanexes, Chitcanos, Chitcanas. This is a something that has been coined by Queer Chicano Chisme on Twitter. I would say Ruben uh, he coined the word like he literally like had an epiphany in being like all of these like super masculine super nationalist anti-queer anti-femme uh, Chicano men are chi- shit canos and I would say that the way that we're gonna talk about it in a Central American context is shit uh, shitcanex, which I feel like is more of a non-binary word and I think Uh, They embody all of that, that, like, super mass, super, like, anti-queer, anti-femme. But also, I want to say it includes uh, women, femmes, non-binary people, because it's, like, chicanexes that enforce, like, Mexican hegemony. Um, They, like, romanticize mestizaje, rejecting, like, Afro-Latinx people, indigenous people. And, like, obviously because of our show, Central Americans. And they're just really concerned with only raza, quote, quote, raza shit that centers Mexico. And that's kind of the topic that we're going to refer to, just, like, how annoying shit-can-ex people are. And I'm the, I'm half shit gana, so I feel like I can say all this shit about it. And, well, if you want to come for me, then let's go. But I'm going to call half of myself out right now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I feel like we're definitely going to make enemies. I mean, fuck it. Okay. I don't care. Yeah, same. It's very much like shit has to be said. So... <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so should we talk about our little experiences that we've had growing up as a Central American people in around Mexican folks? Yeah, uh, you should it? go. Okay. So um, I grew up full Salvadorian and you know this is where i like start crying like it was so hard <laughs> uh. no <laughs> no but um i definitely remember in middle school like a lot of my friends were mexican and just us going around and like talking about things that we do or like when i said cincho versus cinto like a belt
1: oh um, my dad says cincho. Yeah.
0: yeah i said cincho too and then they are like you mean cinto they're like why are you saying it with a ch that's so weird. <laughs> uh-huh. like, that's so Yeah, and I'm like, uh, that's how I grew up saying it. And I remember them being like, oh, no, that's weird. That's ugly, like, Salvadorian talk. And just putting me down for saying one word differently. And I'm like, you still understood what the fuck I meant. Like, you still got hit by the same thing growing up, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Come on. So, like, <laughs> we that, still felt yeah, the same pain. Yeah, like, it's pain. really nothing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then it got very real when we were talk about soccer, which we're going to talk about a bit later on. But... It was just a thing of like, fuck, I don't want to talk about being Salvadorian because like they're going to talk shit to me because Salvadorian team sucks at soccer and just like all these things about it. And I don't know. There wasn't a moment where I was like trying to hide the fact that I was Salvadorian, but I was reluctant to volunteer that information, if that makes sense. Hmm. And yeah. And then going into college my first year with one of my really like he's my best friend now, Jose. We had a really dumb argument looking back at it. And I think I was just frustrated at a lot of like chicanx folks that I'd met throughout my years in LA. And he, he grew up in San Diego and there's not a large Central American population in San Diego. So he had never really interacted with folks who were non-Mexican Latinos. And so we had this like slight argument of sorts where, I don't know, I was being dumb also. And I just said that like a lot of shit related to Mexico is stupid, just straight up stupid. Just because I was like mad at folks being like from Central America dying going through Mexico, coming to the US, frustrated at the culture around Mexico that won't acknowledge Central America and just like putting people down from being from there. And then he was on this like nationalist argument as well, just because he'd grown up grown up being so proud of being Mexican. Just growing up right next to Mexico. And so like we got into this like really heated argument and we were first years too, so it was like dumb. around I don't know we both like reconnected over it after he took some like Latin American Studies classes and you know he told me that like what some of the things I said you know granted I didn't say them the right way that he had to acknowledge that some of them were true and like Mexico's presence in like the larger Latin American realm is very much a toxic one and so after that we were able to talk about things more freely and you know I did my studying too so like I wasn't speaking from a bitter place anymore I mean, granted, I'm still pretty bitter just <laughs> growing up in L.A. <laughs> That's just me. But yeah, we were able to talk about it more freely and just actually dive into the the issues with some of the shitganics folks. And then now he's like down for it. When we were like watching RuPaul and we like heard Valentina call herself the Selena drag, essentially, and how she represents this underrepresented community and like the media. And I was like, what if I were a drag queen? and <laughs> I you, mean, you know I'm, like yeah like i'm salvadorian like i'm the more underrepresented community so could i call out valentina on her probably yeah and then he was like yeah and then he was like yeah because you're like the more underrepresented one so if anything we should be giving your voice a bit more like amplification and yeah I, I thought it was really interesting just going into that with him and like going through that journey together just because we both started out being like pretty I'd say immature about it and learning more about it. And like being able to put our nationalist feelings aside and actually talk about real world issues associated with both of the countries and larger Latin American experiences. Mm. So yeah, that's my, my little experiences One from like 12 year old Sam and the other from like 18 year old Sam.
1: That's funny. (laughs) Uh, I think growing up in that kind of Mexican and Salvi household, it wasn't something that was very apparent, obviously, between my own parents. Like, they're married. My mom literally had never... I've never heard my mom disparage Central American people ever in my life, like, ever. Mm-hmm. And my dad and my mom are very, like, they intertwine their own cultures. Like, my mom says things that are, like, salvi, and my dad says things that are more, like, Mexican and things like that. So, like, I never really... I never even thought about this, like, kind of, like, beef Ever, because I'm like, well, my mom and dad are a literal representation of how it's not a beef at all. And I would say that, like, my first real experiences with thinking about it like that and feeling like Mexicanness is, like, really angry sometimes is with mm. my Mexican family, obviously. I have a few cousins who I, who I love to death and I'm still really close to, obviously, but comments of like, why did you say that so Salvadorian? Or why do, why do you mm-hmm. say that? Like, that's so gross. Like, oh, or like, your dad sounds so Salvi. Oh, I didn't really ever think of him having an accent. You know, you never, you never think about that shit, right? So it's so crazy when your own family is kind of like rejecting you in a way. And that same tío and tía, of uh, the cousins that were kind of like I kept giving me a little bit of animosity growing up. One of my other cousins ended up marrying and is still marrying, still married to a Salvadorian man, and that was like a big point of contention between like my cousin and her parents. And there's just all these like small things that I never really noticed growing up, and like how my cousins would kind of talk about my father's side of the family and just like very small remarks. But mm-hmm. now thinking about it, it's like oh, like you were really like shady, but. I mean I still care about you as family but like now if it were to happen I can easily call it out and then something that happened very recently it was here in Oakland in a bar with Mirtha Ooh. I know Ooh, in a bar uh, so you I don't know if you know but like this kind of look that sometimes someone gives you or they keep looking back at you and like you know they're gonna like try to talk to you and it's I'm with my friend, like, I don't want to be talking to some fucking gross ass dude. And me and Mirtha, like, immediately knew that this dude was going to try to talk to us. So we were just trying to not look in their direction. And then they ended up trying to talk to us. He was super annoying and drunk. And he was just like, So you're Mexican, right? To like both me and Mirtha. And I don't know when people, so <laughs> I know, right? But when people kind of say that, I get annoyed because I'm like, Why are you assuming shit, you know? So, I usually just say, like, nah, I'm Salvi, just to kind of, I don't like say that, oh, I'm half and half. I just say, no, I'm Salvadorian, like, I don't, because I wanna gauge, like, their reaction. And this dude literally went on, like, this amazingly long rant of, like, how Central Americans are, like, these shifty, like, strange people you should never trust. And me and Mirta were, like, giving him this look of, like, you're a complete idiot. Okay, so let's say you're trying to get at me, right? Or you're trying to get at someone. And they tell you something about them. And you just attack their identity. And it was just this, like, thing. And then he was like, so you two speak Spanish, right? And me and Mirta were like, well, we don't want to speak to you in English. So we were just like, nah, we don't speak Spanish. We don't know anything. Pfft. The bartender actually was a homie and pulled him, like, aside and was like, you need to stop talking to these, like, girls. Like, you are clearly freaking them out. And he was. He was, like, making me super uncomfortable. Uh, and he was, like, up in my face and shit. So we ended up tipping the bartender really well it's just kind of growing up and hearing like cerote this and cerote that and Mm -hmm. i didn't even really know what this was you know i didn't think about it like my family never says these things and then you hear it from like your mexican friends and growing up in l.a so chicano centric so mexican centric which is kind of just dumb how the U.S. mainstream portrays like Mexico as the only Latin Latinx thing and on the East Coast, Cuba, Puerto Rico, it's like East Coast is this West Indian like thing and then it's the Southwest Mexican thing on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, it's like so weird how much Chicano identity really erases Central American identity in a lot of ways, which we are going to keep talking about so
0: um going in on what you said about how u.s mainstream media portrays mexicans as the only like latinx identity um univision is a large latinx media i'm sure we have all heard about it and they largely focus on mexicans and mexican storytelling as we can see in their novelas and news programs and you know it's only recently grown to include different programs and different stories so like now with um ilia calderon being one of the anchors on you know their evening news program it's it's definitely changing but we can't ignore the fact that it came up as largely mexican and i mean it is owned by televisa i believe right or affiliated with yeah
1: them, televisa with them. so
0: they're largely mm-hmm. mexican-centric and so you know like the
1: they are a mexican media yeah, company so it's
0: just like i don't know the kind of storytelling they try to choose is largely mexican Compared to like Telemundo, the other, you know, it's still in a binary of sorts. You know, the other Latino media does programs on like Cuba, Venezuela, Colombia, and also Brazil, and even does programs on like U.S. and Latinx relations. Granted, they're all rooted in the drug trade, which is so frustrating, and they still play a lot to the whiteness. So they still portray a lot of like white Latinas versus like folks with darker complexion or Afro Latinas. The only time they actually had like darker Latino folks were when they did the story of Celia Cruz. And so, yeah, that was and that was like semi fictional, I believe it was not a pure autobiography. So they still play to the whiteness aspect. And even though they're the other Latinx media, they're still, you know, they're trying. But we still don't hear stories of like Bolivia or Chile. Or, you know, stories of the Caribbean as well. So like, you know, we have folks from like Guyana, you know, the islands of Barbados and like all these other places that technically fall under the Latinx sphere, but aren't being portrayed or are being overlooked. Or, you know, we also have the Central American aspect of it where there's hella folks here now following from the 80s and stories of us aren't being shared yet. And so it's interesting that we, you know, we are giving the spotlight to other folks that aren't Mexican but we don't see it happening for these other countries.
1: There's just a lot of, like, small things. When Luis Fonsi, who's Puerto Rican, brought Dreamers on stage to talk about defending DACA and there's this whole, like, mm-hmm. thing about Latinx unity at the Latin Grammys. Oh, cool, great. TPS, though? Like, what's up, TPS? Or
0: yeah, even
1: just, like, in LA for both of us, the whole kind of Chicano subculture, like, Cholo Chicano like kind of identity which is so rooted to LA you only think about East LA or Boyle Heights like the Echo Park those are the places that are taught as like the cornerstones of like LA Latinx subculture but then it. Okay, East Hollywood, Koreatown, Mid-City, Westlake MacArthur Park, Pico Union, Rampart Village. That's, like, literally where Central American identity is, like, thriving and, like, in full force. There is a actual, on Google Maps, like, mm-hmm. if you go look for it, there is a place called El Salvador Corridor. Like, there is a little part of Los mm-hmm. Angeles, a neighborhood dedicated to, like, El Salvador and... Uh, Koreatown and Mid City have um southern, uh, like Oaxacan and Guatemalan and Salvadoran and other mm-hmm. Central American groups. Literally, in the middle of Los Angeles. But when we talk about all of this, like we never mention like this kind of like L.A. Latinx identity. It's always oh yeah, East L.A., Boyle Heights, Echo Park. That's it.
0: Yeah, yeah, like you know i go on instagram and you know the whole revival of like chicanx identity on instagram is so real right now and so many businesses are catering to it with their little nopals and conchas and frida colors <laughs> yeah and yeah <laughs> and so like when i take my pictures on instagram and you know post my little neighborhood up i think it's cool because you know we have all these korean places nearby but right next to them are like salvadorian pupusas uh-huh. or guatemalan bakeries or like all kinds of variety you know like if you go down Pico you will find a lot of Oaxacan stores a lot of like Salvadorian restaurants a lot of like further east no further west you will find a lot of soul food so it's just like there's so much variety to it but we don't see that and I mean granted it's social media we're not going to see it represented for a while and I'm kind of happy that it isn't because it gives me the chance to kind of relish it a bit more like granted like i mean i'd rather know about these places and share them with my friends than see them online and like see them commodified for social media consumption
1: very true i totally agree with that okay so we're gonna throw a bunch of facts and data at you right now and we're gonna talk about the actual like so we're talking a lot about like latinx la just like Mexican experiences. But we're going to talk about literal problems with Mexico as a country. And so as we know in recent years, Central Americans from the Northern Triangle, which is Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras have been mass migrating to the US because of drug violence, gang violence, all that stuff. And uh They go through the US and they go through Mexico and like they go through all these countries and it's like obviously a massive migration and it's very dangerous. It's mostly men, I would say it's 80% men, but uh, obviously there's still women and children going along these paths. The US and Mexico have, in mass together, have detained about a million people from the Northern Triangle and have deported 800,000 people from 2010 to 2015 according to the Migration Policy Institute. The U.S. has overall deported more people but in 2015 Mexico really increased their border security just like their immigration everything like they went full force and actually surpassed the US. And their numbers have been consistently rising for the past few years. A lot of the news recently with, remember Hillary Clinton, there was this whole scandal of her wanting to deport Central American children and minors. So the US is actually a lot more lenient with minors than Mexico is. So the US deports only three out of 100 minors, while Mexico uh, deported 77 out of 100 minors in 2014. So Mexico far surpasses the United States in deporting minors. So discrimination and like going through Mexico is very, very difficult. And I feel like there is so much trauma with Central Americans and just like how they portray themselves to Mexican people because like it's either do or die. Like I need to conceal my identity. In Mexico and then once I get to the US I'm still kind of berated by Mexicans so it's it's just this kind of cycle of like repressing your own identity and yourself constantly for life and then just for opportunities later on once you reach the US if you even reach it because so many people die also along this journey
0: yeah um, I also want to do a quick little dive into um, this report that came out by Amnesty International literally yesterday And so it's on um, authorities in Mexico and Central America turning their backs on LGBTI folks. At least that's what the Amnesty International article refers to them as. It's just, you know, lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, and intersex folks from those countries. So it's essentially saying that a lot of, like, queer folks and trans women are facing a lot of violence in these countries due to the, like, know toxic masculinity associated in a lot of central american cultures due to large like gang presence and like violence targeted towards folks who are queer or trans and so we see them going their way through mexico either seeking asylum there or seeking asylum in the united states but a lot of folks are actually hesitant to seek asylum in mexico just because when they do report crime they actually don't see any like updates regarding their report so they report it to the authorities they report that they've been assaulted or whatever it may be and they don't hear back from the authorities telling them like oh yeah we found the culprit or yeah we're like working on it they just don't hear anything back and so they're hesitant to even seek asylum in Mexico because of that and so um two thirds of the the people who were interviewed by the UNHCR which is the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees they they spoke to them in 2016 and 2017 so just you know time frame there so two-thirds of the folks said that they had suffered sexual and gender-based violence in mexico alone so this is you know over 60 percent of folks who from the lgbtq plus community who are making their way through mexico and are facing discrimination based on their you know sexual identity or gender identity and it's just so foul thinking that You know, they have to make their way through that whole, you know, Mexico is a huge country. They got to make their way all the way through that to get to the U.S. and hope that they can seek asylum here because, you know, this country isn't that much better than Mexico at that term either. And so it's just frustrating in general just because, you know, we have terrible conditions in Central American countries for LGBTQ plus folks. And then they can't even seek any kind of refuge in neighboring countries because same conditions are there. It's just, I don't know, it makes me sad and makes me mad. And I mean, I'm happy that Amnesty International is talking about this, but that, you know, what kind of pressure are they going to exert right now in these countries?
1: Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up asylum because a similar report that I read from the UN was that uh, most of UN estimates say that at least half of Central Americans going through towards the US can qualify for asylum in Mexico because Mexico has actually expanded their asylum program. But only in 2015, 3,400 people applied in Mexico for asylum. So a lot of these people, a lot of accounts, they go through Mexico and they get uh, detained by Mexican immigration, but no one is ever informed, like, you have rights for asylum, you have rights for this, and then they get sent back or they get abused, or they get murdered, you know? There's this really famous caravan that goes through Mexico every year of Central American mothers called the Caravan of Mothers of Disappeared Migrants, and they basically go through Mexico trying to find information of their children that have disappeared traveling through Mexico. And according to the Mesoamerican Migrant Movement, which sponsors this uh, caravan, 20,000 people go missing in Mexico every year and you know that's an estimate you know I'm, I'm not gonna say that that's a fact we don't know because obviously these are missing people but we do know that thousands of people have disappeared going on this like super dangerous trek and it only really adds to a lot of the kind of racism that Central American people or just like anyone that kind of immigrates through Mexico really faces and just like the danger of the entire journey
0: yeah and then you know then it just turns into this whole thing of you know I guess phenotypes that they distinguish on or like language choice so because yeah. a lot of Central Americans use voceo or they don't use the same words so like this is actually I just thought of this on the moment but when my mom was coming to this country when she was detained at the border they asked her how to how to, um what a molcajete is and like, that's she, crazy. Cause, yeah, because she, she claimed to be from Mexico to be able to make it in.
1: Wow. Did she and, know?
0: Yeah, no. No. She didn't know? Because oh. she's Salvadorian, dude. Like, they don't call it that. What and, do
1: they
0: call it? I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't know what a
1: mortar like, and pestle is?
0: <laughs> yeah. And like, the, the border official asked her what a mocajete is to see if she actually was Me- Mexican. And since she couldn't answer it, they were like, yeah, no, you're not Mexican. So like this, even like in border officials, there's this like cognitive dissonance of like Mexicans use certain words. So then that's already prevailing in Mexico. So it becomes that much easier for folks to distinguish who's not Mexican, and therefore that much easier, or that much more quote-unquote real, their difference is and therefore how much more easier it becomes to discriminate against them for not being from the same country. And so it's just like totally fucked up because you know these are different words that they just happen to use and my mom not knowing what a mocahete was gave her That's away crazy yeah like it's just so mind-blowing and uh
1: hmm okay well i want to switch gears a bit this is obviously a very heavy topic that we like went through very uh fact driven topic so i want to kind of go towards something that you mentioned earlier sam which was soccer Um, and i think so in the united states right now you know the whole kind of nfl colin kaepernick thing is very representative of just the racial divide and obviously what people even think sports kind of represent and how it can be very very divisive just like within like regional identities, and, like, there is so much politics and sports that we kind of really brush under the table, and I think soccer um, is, is kind of an equivalent uh, for Mexico, and, like, how a lot of the times soccer really kind of brings out all of these, like, ugly sides in a lot of Mexicans, and I can say this, like, very bluntly. I've I've personally been to I've been to, I think, two Mexico, like, national soccer games, Mm -hmm. and I've been to, like, Mexican League games. I saw, like, Chivas, and I've seen, like, Atlas play, and then I've also been, I'm, like, a big soccer kind of person. My family, my mom and dad and my brother, we all are really into soccer, so we've been to a lot of games, like we're trash, like, (laughs) we go, no, we really do, like, there was this one Guadalajara game that just, like, kind of happened a few months ago, and I feel like literally every, like, Jaliscense person, my mom is from Guadalajara, Jalisco, uh, was, like, there, like, I ran into people that I didn't, I knew were, like, from Guadalajara, but I didn't know they were going to be there, and we, like, ran into each other, it was just so crazy, (laughs) but, like, Mexican soccer fans, I am going to say this, like, very clearly, like, they are so unsportsmanlike, they are so trash. They are literally some of the rudest fans I've ever seen, like, and I've been to multiple different, like, soccer games with, between different countries and, like, all these kinds of things, and, like, it's always Mexican fans being just these, like, really, like, mean, aggressive, rowdy, like, super, obviously, it's almost always men, and just, like, these really aggressive people, and, oh, I hate it, dude, like, it's so gross. I mean, I love soccer, but I just hate the fans, and I think... There have been a lot of instances that show how Mexicans really feel about Central American through soccer, and we can see that all along Twitter.
0: Yeah, um, so I just also want to give another anecdotal real quick. And so, um, you know, I was always like, ah, shit, El Salvador sucks at soccer. I mean, it's true. When they tied a few years ago against Mexico, I was so happy. I was like, yo, we didn't yo, lose. <laughs> I yo, really, I, really,
1: I really do root for them. Like, when they both play each other, like, I, you know, I love both countries, obviously, but I always, like, root for Tabalod because I just, like, really hate Mexican soccer fans. Like, genuinely, I dislike them so much.
0: Yeah, so um, I remember in eighth grade, I had a friend who was half Mexican, half Hondureño, and honduras soccer team is so good like compared to the they are they are so good yeah and so when honduras beat mexico one day i remember being so happy and so like prideful of it and you know all these mexican folks were like bitter as fuck the next day and talking about like you're not even from honduras your country's still shit and like it turned into this whole toxic talk of like it went beyond soccer it got real quick to the Yeah, El Salvador still has a lot of problems and all these things that you should be focusing on fixing. Me, as, like, you know, a 12-year-old, like, what the fuck could I do? But um, it was just, like, this whole thing of, like, yeah, El Salvador is still a very, very violent country. And, like, you know, all these Mexican folks would conveniently forget about gang violence in Mexico at that time. And, like, all these, like, I don't know, it got so quick to... Like, you know what you were saying about how they're just nasty fans and like swords. They are, dude.
1: I fucking hate them. It it,
0: It got so real. And like, I was, I got mad because it was like, dude, you can't even lose. I lose all the fucking time. You don't hear me talking shit about your country. I'm just like, yeah, our team sucks. Move on. Like, admit that your team sucked in this game. Mexicans, Mexican soccer
1: team isn't even that good. Like, I don't know why they hype themselves up so much. I'm so heated. Sorry, I get so heated about soccer, but, like, not in that kind of way. I get more heated of just, like, the this entire charade of, like, yes, we are these amazing, like, hyper-nationalistic people. And it's mm-hmm. so frustrating. It's like, dude, it's just a game. Like, y'all need to chill. Yeah. Why are you so triggered? <laughs> um, but really... Okay. No, but okay. So there was recently uh a game between Honduras and Mexico and Honduras also qualified for the World Cup, which is also like shout out to Honduras for qualifying mm-hmm. for the World Cup even though FIFA sucks, but <laughs> I mean, I still love soccer. It's it's a it's a lot of mixed feelings, but um there was this really great article that Bichos de un Bicho uh, shared a few years ago, uh which was Elena Salamanca, she uh she wrote a Article in Mexico, so it's in Spanish, and it really talked a lot about the treatment of Central Americans in Mexico. But there was a specific anecdote that I was very interested in was the president Peña Nieto's private secretary. When Honduras qualified for the World Cup, they shared this meme of like Hondureños on their way to Brazil, and it's like a bunch of people stacked on top of an airplane. And it's kind of, like, making fun of the the trains that go through Mexico, through Chiapas La Bestia, mocking this whole, like, all the Central Americans, all the Hondurans and Guatemalans that go through Mexico and calling them, you know, like, obviously poor people. But yeah, it's, like, people who are clinging onto life for this train and just kind of mocking Central Americans, like, for their journey to go to the U.S., which is, like, come on, like, Mexicanos do that shit, too, you know, like, y'all aren't any different. We just go, we just start a little more south. And it's so stupid, just like this kind of elitism and this whole like racism. When Honduras recently played Mexico again on Twitter, there were so many Mexicans kind of making, not kind of, making fun of Honduran people with African racial imagery. Kind of what you would see, like kind of minstrel racial uh, imagery that you would see in the US in the same light, like, mocking Honduran because uh, Honduras has, like, a very strong, like, Garifuna, um, like, Afro-Honduran population. So all these things are very drawn out. It's just soccer, you know? Like, why are these things coming out? You know, if the private secretary of the president in Mexico is thinking these things, and obviously this is an overarching theme with Mexico that disseminates to Latinx people, to she connects people so like why
0: yeah i don't i don't know it just really like fucks with me just because i don't know it just the whole shaming of like african roots and just the whole idea of elitism and the convenience of forgetting that they also do that same journey on la bestia is just like i don't know i i totally think of it as like cuando te conviene you forget like like yeah, my friends were saying earlier. Or Same like thing. My former friends in middle school talking shit about like, oh, Salvador has so much violence. It's like, yeah, like let's let's not conveniently talk about the violence in Mexico. also let's not talk about all the issues in Mexico. Let's just zero in on these issues in your country because your country just happened to beat us at a soccer game. Like, yeah. Why? Why does it come to that? Why are you so unwilling to be like, yeah, we lost? there'll be a, there'll be another season i mean i feel like it's always soccer season too so like what does it matter you know there's always gonna be another game
1: well i mean it's not just that it's all it's all racism like they just can't they can't bear to be inferior you know it's like mm-hmm. mexico wants to see itself as this like latinx like latino latin america superpower mm-hmm. and it's been putting itself as like this hegemony of Latin American culture, Latinx culture, you know, in the U.S. and just all over Latin America. So, it, I don't know, it doesn't keep itself accountable. Like, the country doesn't keep itself accountable in general. Like, I don't really expect the people to keep themselves accountable. I mean, some people obviously do. But Xipcanos, Xipcanx people, they will never keep themselves accountable. So, this goes to the question that I'm going to ask you, Sam. Are you anti Chicanex? Um,
0: No. I am am anti-shit-canics. So, um, I think that Chicanos and Chicanas, Chicanics, Chicanics with an X in the beginning also, is a very beautiful thing. Just because growing up in the U.S. where whiteness is shoved down your throat from a young age and the, like, idolization of whiteness is, you know, the epitome we should all strive for here. The fact that you're trying to reclaim something, like, you know, reclaim Aslan, And all these things is just i think it's beautiful i think it definitely should be done and i think all folks who are not white should also try to do this but i don't think it should come with this hegemony i don't think we should be putting like mexico as the the number one you know the thing we should all be striving for or like we just need to move away from mexico centrism and latinx issues i feel just because there's just so much emphasis on it and yes mexico is a huge country with a huge population but it's not the only one it's not the only one here in the country either you know we talked earlier about how on the east coast there's puerto ricans dominicans a lot of colombianos venezolanos and just like different kinds of latinx folks and here in the southwest we have a lot of like central american folks and folks from south america as well and all throughout we have folks coming in from the caribbean as well and it's just i don't know it irks me that we're still putting mexico as the forefront or maybe that's just like You know, me checking myself right now, I grew up in the Southwest, so maybe it's just me being mad at Southwest culture being Mexico-centric, but it's just, I don't know, I love these people that are trying to reclaim their identities that they didn't have a chance to earlier on, and you know, earlier I did, like, you know, take a quick shot at, like, commodification of Chicano culture on, on social media. But I think it's, it's something that happens when we have technology and we have people trying to reclaim these identities, but I don't think it should come with that hegemony. So I don't think just because you love your country, you should be telling me how to hate mine. I don't feel that that's a valid thing at all. And I feel like maybe folks can use it kind of as a model for reclaiming your identity, the whole Chicano movement, but I don't think it's the, the only way to do it at all. Are you anti-Chicanics?
1: I um, am not and say next. That would be very, uh, that'd be a lot of <laughs> internalized hatred if I was. I agree with you in a lot of points. I think something very relevant to today that I think is very representative of this entire situation is Coco, which we've already taken a few <laughs> shots at on Twitter, which I'm gonna, I'm gonna be blunt. I haven't seen it. I'm waiting to see it with my family in Spanish. Like, I'm gonna be real. It's it's crazy how much we have put on this movie. How much pressure. It's kind of like this weird Disney lottery. That it's like, oh my god, are they going to pick our yeah. culture? Are they going to pick our country? <laughs> and it's like, finally. I mean, they already had like a, a Latino movie before, which was The Emperor's New Groove, which <laughs> is like one of the best movies ever. But, I mean, it's a good movie. Uh, it doesn't really focus on peruvian culture because it's yeah. like ancient peru but still it's it's this kind of thing where it's like we're all waiting for this kind of yeah. legitimization of a culture through disney and you've mentioned before and it's been all over twitter like lalo caras was like one of the main uh consultants and he's like pretty anti any ex like latin ex chican uh non-binary kind of issues he like mocks mm-hmm. them thinks they're dumb And it's kind of crazy how Coco, like, you know, once Disney has Coco out, they're going to, like, okay, we did it. We helped all the Latinos in the U.S. Like, now we can go to the next culture. You You know, like, (laughs) they're going to just, yeah, like, they're done. So, it's kind of weird how much Mexico is so, so, I guess, I don't want to say idolized, but just how like why do you choose to like why do you choose to ignore everything Mm -hmm. below mexico like i just really don't understand like why it's like i hate when people are like well the market isn't there i was like well like that's a complete lie um el Salvador just passed cuba with like the third most populous latino group in the u.s like Mm -hmm. so that's not true and like i said like there are, I would say, Central America's influence, I would say, is probably more far-reaching in Los Angeles than Mexico. That's just me in terms of, like, neighborhood sizes. But, like, I mean, that's another thing. That's something that we can also debate. But it's—I don't know. I don't want to say that I'm—I don't want to say that I'm anti-Chicanx, right? I'm anti-Shitcanx, like anti-Shitcano, and I'm I'm really anti-nationalist. Like I really love it's I really love Mexico, but I also hate this whole like mm-hmm. ride or die kind of like notion about it for anyone. And like if any shiitake next people listen to this and get angry at me, like I don't give a fuck. Like call me out. <laughs> say some say some shit to me. You know, like I, it's like not a I'm not insecure about myself in that kind of way and they're always going to be like oh well you're dividing the community by talking about your issues or blah, 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 blah. like why do you have to call out Mexico blah, blah, blah. like I don't give a fuck bitch like <laughs> you have problems so many there's literally millions of people have been affected by your country and like thousands of people are declared missing in your country like think about shit for a second you know just like be logical so I don't care. Like, I hope people come at me. I hope people try to talk shit to me because, like, I feel like I have the privilege of being able to call out this without sounding bitter. Like, I can see it in my own family. I can see it in my own community that is mostly Mexican. So <laughs> come at me. I don't care.
0: Um, going back to our little Coco discussion, just because we're still taking shots at it. And I've also not seen it. I've also not seen. Yeah, I so. know,
1: <laughs> I know. We're such haters, dude. We haven't even so seen it. We're I such on Twitter haters a
0: lot lately. And I saw this whole thread going on about how it's this duality of it. Of like, we gotta support it because if not, then there won't be any more storytelling for Latinx.
1: Do you know who? Do you remember whose thread um, this is from? Sorry.
0: Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Goes on Twitter. Yeah. Just because like, we want to credit. So the whole duality of the movie Coco, there was this thread on Twitter by this person that I can't really recall, but they were saying that we should be supporting Coco because essentially if we don't give Disney and all these corporations our money, they won't think there's a market for these stories. And they just won't try. And then like it really like makes us feel like I mentioned the whole Lalo Alcaraz thing earlier. Well to Sandra at least, and then Sandra brought it up about how he's very
1: I know, I, I took I took credit. Yeah. <laughs> like a very <laughs> sorry no, for it's
0: cool. A very like anti Latinx chicanx, anything ending in X. And how essentially even though he was a like cultural like do right, like you gotta do right by the culture if you're gonna do this, Disney. He's not doing right by not acknowledging trans folks or non binary folks at all. So how do we acknowledge this movie for trying to you know celebrate a culture but at the same time check it for having these problematic aspects to it and so the other thread on twitter that i saw that really stood out to me was um i couldn't find the person's name on their page but their at is at twit numero uno and their name right now is hashtag save tps so and so um Essentially, it starts out saying like, quote, it's beneficial for from a big studio slash corp perspective to only make one or few ethnic minority movies as brand and strategy. Pixar slash Disney owns us forever now with Coco alone. So they'll keep making the usual white stuff brand, then move on to a diff ethnicity in a few years in parentheses strategy. So essentially it's saying that it's convenient for Disney if they see this movie coming in that they can just say, well, we did it. And you know, maybe in few years they'll like bring out another sequel because they're, they just know they're going to make money. And so it doesn't even come about being the story. You know, it's not about sharing the story anymore. It's more about making the money. And so it's always been about making well, the money. Yeah, definitely.
1: So. <laughs> like, it's never not been about it. Yeah. Like, wait, wait, sorry, sorry. Okay, you can keep going.
0: <laughs> no, yeah. And so it's like, They're just not going to make any other stories if Coco does well, just because they're like, okay, well, we don't have to. We know people are going to support this, and we know they're just going to fall into the whole, like, larger hegemony, which they might not even know exists, but they just know people are going to support this for being Latinx representation. And in the hopes of getting more, we're going to go for this. And I don't know, it irks me because, you know, I want to watch this movie just because it is Latinx-oriented. I mean, granted it's Mexican oriented, but because I want more stories to be told. But at the same time it's like, do I want to be giving my money to Disney? I can't stand Disney first and foremost. Like I think it's just
1: I know, dude. You're <laughs> you're a Disney hater. I know. I love Disney. I also understand why it's problematic.
0: I just can't. And you can you
1: can love you can love things that you can dissect.
0: Yeah, definitely. But like
1: I know you can't. You, I don't know, have you have you been to Disneyland with, with a boo yet? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, what recently turned me back. Because I was like, whatever about Disney. Like, I like Disney, but I, like, kind of forgot about it. And then I went to Disneyland with a bae. And then I was like, damn, Disney's, like, amazing. <laughs> no, no. It will make you fall in love no. and then fall out of love later.
0: <laughs> no, I just think it's, like, heteronormative and patriarchal AF. And just, I don't know. I don't know, it's just ugly. But, um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't want to support Disney, but I also do want to watch this movie. So I might just get a bootleg version of it, honestly. I might just stream it.
1: I mean, you went to Disneyland like two weeks ago. So what are you talking about?
0: Two months. <laughs> and, okay. and my ticket was paid for. and
1: Whatever. Ya yes, okay.
0: No, it was like I told my family, like, I don't want to go because of this and this. And I don't want to support them. And they were like, yeah, we should go because it's, it's <laughs> your cousin's
1: Because, <laughs> like, like, just go. Yeah.
0: And uh, I was miserable the whole day, and I let everyone know.
1: Whatever. It's, I don't know. I'm, like, so in awe of it. It's just so smart as a, as a structure, which is, like, how... Mm. It's, they are so great at just creating stories that I'm just kind of, like... That's, like, what I really like about it. But, I mean, like I said, there are so many shitty things about it as well and i mean it was like run for like an by an anti-semite for like ever so
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh no i i completely agree with what you were saying that there were this whole ride or die kind of notion and like what's up what's up after afterwards it's just gonna be Coco, the sequel and also like i feel like people are forgetting that there was like this really good animated movie about Day of the Dead a few years ago called Book of Life, which I was thinking about, and then I was listening to Latino USA, and they mentioned it, and I was like, yes, this is exactly what I was thinking about when I heard Coco and, like, the storyline of it. Like, Book of Life, which was really beautiful and amazing, just, like, came out, like, three years ago, and now this is out. Like, hmm, sus, sus, like, yeah. And that was actually directed by, like, a Latino person. Like, the the movie... Guillermo del
0: Toro, right?
1: Oh, I don't know. I don't remember who it was directed by. But um, this movie is directed by some like white Pixar dude. It just have consultants. Cultural
0: consultants. Yeah. Which is an interesting phrase.
1: I know the shit is really interesting. Yeah, like
0: we're not gonna let y'all write the story. We're just gonna let you consult us while we write the story.
1: Yeah, and we'll pick and choose what we want. But yeah, I f- is that I think that's all the talking points though.
0: Jorge Gutierrez was the director for Book of Life. Sorry.
1: Okay. No, I mean, all all the links will be on our website of everything we mentioned. So if you want to look into something else that we said, they'll all be there. But yeah, we're done. That was like our come at me. I've been I've been really excited for this episode because I've been waiting to just like have call people out. Like I'm all about that.
0: So um. Do you want to do a quick come at me statement? Cause I, I feel
1: like I already did mine, dude. I was already like, come at me. Yeah,
0: you did your I've been... <laughs> early on, actually. I have been talking
1: about people coming at me. I don't give a fuck. Come at me. I got my shit on private anyway.
0: Right. <laughs> I don't. And that's why I want folks to come at me. So on our website, so so like if you go on our website, I want to make folks go on our website to come at me if they want to. Um, My IG, Twitter, and they the are all there. No? Okay, well, they're all same. But they're all the same. So <laughs> yeah. if you follow him on yeah. Twitter, you can
1: follow him on everything else.
0: Yeah, and I invite call-outs, honestly. Like, go ahead and hate. I just, it'll make, let me know real quick where you stand. And the only thing I ask is that you please turn your location on. <laughs>
1: you Yo, I read. Just please. I not I <laughs> didn't read it. There was this Erica Badu interview with the Bodega Boys, and mm. she talks about how she didn't know she turned on her location. Oh, in that, in that famous tweet with uh, Azalea Banks, <laughs> she just, she just like, didn't even know. Uh, but she rolled with it because she's like, well, I'm going to seem hard, too. I don't care. All this tea and incense can become quote 45 and cigarettes real quick.
0: <laughs> I love That's that. what she said. I love it. Okay, but, yeah, that All was right. my come at me statement. And if you're mad, it's because you got to check yourself and realize why am I mad right now? You know, like, am I contributing to the hegemony and Mexico centrism? You probably are if you're mad.
1: Yeah, if you're mad, then you're definitely a Chicano or shitkanex or shitkana or whatever.
0: Yeah, and you should feel bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I want you to. I, I genuinely want you to feel bad.
0: <laughs> but actually. Yeah. All right, now that we've done our hating, let me go and affirm y'all. <laughs> let's all
1: let's talk about love.
0: Yeah, let's end it on a good note. So um, since I'm sick right now, self-care is like really on my mind and you know like there's been a lot of things going on a lot of parts moving in my life right now and so i want to share some of the things that have been helping me right now so like go get yourself a bowl of pho- no i'm kidding no um, <laughs> you should be- Well, no but actually you should and get it from like a local vietnamese place if you can support your local restaurants in any way you can please um so that ties into the larger idea that i really wanted to go into Which is be selfish with yourself. You know, you only have one existence guaranteed, and you should be doing your best to reward yourself, give yourself as much as you want, and like be kind to yourself. You know, so many so many times throughout the day, you're doing things for other people, and like, you know, you're working for your boss. Unless you work for yourself, then you know you are your boss. But um, you're helping your friends with whatever it is you know you're giving them like time emotional labor you're hearing their problems you're doing favors for them do that for yourself also you know like go treat yourself to a nice dinner to a nice blood nice beer you know go get a spa massage go go to a spa for a day do a face mask if you can't afford those things you know like I don't know just do some yoga do something genuinely nice that'll make you feel better about yourself be selfish for a bit and also get out of your comfort zone with your selfishness so while you're doing something nice try to do something you haven't done before so for me for a while it was yoga i never did yoga i was always like oh this is some new age bullshit you know like, no, i kind <laughs> of believe that i
1: i just think it's glorified <laughs> stretching like whatever
0: you yeah, know that's what it is that's what it is, right? <laughs> Yeah, like I I do it in SD and I just be stretching and breathing. And I think it was a good start to my morning. But studies have shown that just stretching in the morning is good for you. So all it is is just stretching and focusing on your breathing while you're doing it. And some folks like to incorporate meditating into it as well. But I don't think that's necessary because the whole point is focusing on your breathing. And the real science to it is more oxygen is entering your system. And therefore, your body feels better and you get a little high from it. And that's it <laughs> and so yeah like those are my t- two big things one is be selfish be kind to yourself listen to your body if you're starting to get sick acknowledge it drink medicine take care of yourself sleep and step out of your comfort zone with things that you're doing so try yoga try a new restaurant try a new technique of sorts download try tinder a new face mask <laughs> no <laughs> no nah, you sorry. probably should i'm sorry i'm like a, no. such a get a tinder advocate <laughs> i'm a very get off tinder <laughs> no, advocate. get
1: on it get on it get off no it. please <laughs> get meet it. some new people <laughs> after heavily vetting them
0: ghost new people oh. <laughs> join us next week when we talk about tinder culture
1: dude i'm down yo i have a lot to I say about tinder i have so much love I, for tinder
0: i love their gifts that's all our gifs that's all i'm gonna say
1: gifts but okay
0: <laughs> yeah i say gifts but i know folks will come at me for, folks will come at me more for saying gifts than for the whole chican- <laughs> shit. chicago <can't laughs> <accept. Fuckin' laughs> <shit. laughs> people have their priorities all mixed up but yeah, join us next week when we talk about that shit.
1: I'm so down. I'm so excited.
0: Yes, Alright.
1: drink some bye. honey lemon tea, Sam. Please.
0: Yeah, my voice sounds like shit. <laughs>
1: it's okay. It always sounds like shit. Ah. Eh.
0: Alrighty. Bye.
1: Bye. Goodbye.